Hey everybody, it's been a 007 back for a 10 minute movie review. Uh, LFF Lurgy is on the downslope, I am very pleased to say. And today I'm here to talk to you about the film Ferrari, which was the surprise film at the London Film Festival. This is the latest film from Michael Mann, one of the most iconic directors of the last couple of decades. He has made films like Heat, The Insider, these very gritty thrillers focusing on tense emotional relationships between men, a great stylist. And he is telling the story of Enzo Ferrari, the man who founded the Ferrari brand. He was himself a former race driver, grew up in very poor circumstances, wanted to get into racing, um, was rejected for a job by Fiat, the major, major industrial car manufacturer of Italy, um, just in World War One, and went on really to run his team with proud independence, dictatorial style. Um, he never quite threw up his threw off his provincial style. He spent most of his life just in the small town where the factory was. Um, he didn't really go to many races later on in his career. And he had a very metronomic routine, which is wake up in the morning, go and visit the grave of his beloved, but sadly died very young son, Dino, um, go to the factory, go for dinner with his cronies, and then go visit one of his mistresses. He had a ferocious sexual appetite, a real misogynist. Arguably today we'd call him a sex addict. What this film does, however, is not tell the conventional biopic tale. It doesn't start at his youth and end at his death. It focuses in on the year 1957. And this is a choice from Michael Mann and the screenwriter Troy Kennedy Martin. And actually, when you look at Troy Kennedy Martin's credits, he wrote the original The Italian Job. Um, he focuses in on the year 1957 and kind of creates artificial stakes by making it a kind of pivotal point in Ferrari's career and personal life. So they choose to make this the year that Ferrari's wife, Laura, who has, he has been estranged from for many years, she knows all about his womanizing and she is mourning the death of her son. She's kind of retreated from life. But they make this the year that Laura discovers that Enzo has a longtime mistress called Lina Lardi, who lives in a village nearby, and that with Lina, he had another son who was born in 1945. So while they are both very genuinely mourning Dino, who died in his early 20s, there is this little kid running around in a nearby village. And obviously, Enzo wants very much to have an heir and to have someone to take over Ferrari. And this little boy, Piero, eventually did take on the name of Ferrari rather than Lardi and is now um, a small owner in Ferrari, which of course sold out to Fiat eventually. So the family no longer has a controlling stake. So this film is trying to tell the story of Laura discovering this betrayal and of resisting le the legitimization of the son in reality. Um, given the divorce laws and the way the legal system worked, he was never going to be legitimized until after Lara's death anyway. So this is a bit of kind of fake storytelling. Fine, this is the movies. I get it doesn't have to be true to true to life. The other story they try to tell, which I also feel is a little bit hyped up for the film, is this idea that Ferrari is spending so much money on racing and his road car production is not sufficient to pay for it so that he needs to find an outside financier. And everyone's saying, look, go to Ford, go to 
go to Fiat, let them handle the production of the road cars. They can pump up the numbers. They can give you more money and you can just have control of the racing. And Enzo Ferrari is such a paranoid dictator that he does not want to cede that control. Um, So there's a tension there as well. What the movie does is create a fictional tension by saying, if you win the epic, iconic Mille Miglia road race, then the sales of the road cars will increase. The value of your company to these people investing will increase. Again, I just think, you know, Ferrari was perpetually in search of money. Eventually, he did sell out a stake to, to Fiat. But I don't feel like 1957 was some pivotal year for him financially. The way in which I think this film does get it right, however, is the number of drivers who who were dying for him in this period. I mean, he always had this reputation, right, of working his drivers too hard, of psychologically manipulating them, of pushing them to compete even unto death. And what this movie focuses on as well is the toll that driving in that era took. I mean, we're very lucky, right? As as dangerous as driving as in Formula One is now, it is thankfully incredibly rare to see people die in the sport. Although I shouldn't say that because we've lost a young driver this year and we lost young drivers in recent years. Um, but the Mille Miglia race, there's a reason why you may not have heard of it, even if you've heard of Le Mans, because it doesn't run anymore like it used to. And the reason it doesn't run anymore, this thousand mile race through the normal roads of Italy, is that people would die because obviously these aren't race tracks. You can have rubble on the road. You can have a random goat wandering across. And when people die, when people crash on these roads, there are often spectators on the sidelines. And there were many stories over the years of horrific crashes. And for those of us who have a passion for motorsport and who know something of its history, when you know that this film is set in 1957, you know that there are going to be certain iconic moments of real peril. And I don't want to say what they are because I don't want to ruin it for those of you who aren't familiar with motorsport. But um, it raises the question then of how these are going to be depicted. Because obviously there is, I don't know if it's an unwritten rule, but it's hard for me to think of a, a motorsport film that depicts um, racing crash, you know, frame by frame of each twist and turn of the car and showed the limbs and the head and the injuries. You know, if you think about Ford versus Ferrari, which is a phenomenal film, when the Christian Bale character goes to his crash, he sort of disappears over a hill and then we see the puff of smoke. When you think of how Asif Kapadia directed Senna, which obviously we all know it's leading to that fatal crash, and he had access to every single scrap of footage, he also chose to show it in a very specific way, which is the one familiar to us having watched on TV at the time, from helicopter height. It's a very respectful way of showing the final moments of those people. So when I get into my criticism of this film, bear the kind of context from which I'm coming in mind. I guess what I want to say is that I was so excited that this might show at the London Film Festival. This is the reason I booked tickets for the surprise film, having deduced it was highly likely to be Ferrari. Um, I was so disappointed. For me, this is a film that it's kind of mediocre until you see how they handle the crash scenes. And then for me, it becomes a one star film. I think it fails in its screenwriting. It's chaotic. There's so much going on. There's the personal life. There's the financial crisis. There's the mille milieu race. It, it zips back and forth. I wonder how anyone who doesn't even care about motorsport is going to figure out what's going on. It just feels chaotic. It feels like they're creating fake stakes and it doesn't resolve in a good way. So the screenwriting 
does not serve it well. The acting and casting really does not serve it well. We have Adam Driver in the main role, who is 40, or just shy of 40. In 1957, Ferrari was 59, very paunchy, very fat. I mean, he has a specific face, right? So, okay, you can't replicate that face necessarily. But Adam Driver, come on, you did House of Gucci and now you've done this. And basically, you still can't do an Italian accent. And he doesn't even act old convincingly. He just looks like Adam Driver with a fat belly, fake fat belly and dyed hair. I mean, it's it's a laughable performance. It's actually embarrassing. It's not as embarrassing as Shailene Woodley playing Lena Lardi. She, I think she's attempting to do an Italian accent. At some points it came off, off as kind of Long Island Jewish. I didn't know what she was doing. She obviously did not have a dialect coach or did not use that dialect coach properly. I was thinking as I watched her of Jodie Comer's phenomenal performance in The Bike Riders and how absolutely perfect her accent work was in that film and how beautiful her facial acting. And I just thought, my God, Jodie Comer's in a totally different league to Shailene Woodley. I've only ever seen Woodley mainly in young adult action films, I guess, and maybe that papered over the fact that she's not a very good actress. That's all I can think of here is that she's just not talented enough to have taken on this role. And many great actors can't do um, accent work, and that's fine. But she was horrifically miscast in this role. Finally, we have Penelope Cruz, who plays Laura Ferrari, so the wife whose world is falling apart with betrayal. And she plays it very... um, It's like one part hysterical kind of provincial housewife schlumpy and walking about with bags of shopping, looking old and weary. And then the other part, she's meant to be this proto-feminist boss bitch woman who's actually the financial and strategic brains behind Ferrari, which I do not think is historically correct, much as I would have loved it to have been. I don't think a man like Enzo Ferrari, who was like basically screwing a different woman every night, was sitting there thinking, ah, I built this business with Laura. She is like the co-creator. I think there's something really off about the way that relationship is drawn and the character of Laura is just going from one extreme to the other. And again, Penelope Cruz acts everyone else off the screen, but she's doing so in a Spanish accent. I mean, this is very much a Spanish character. And it just made me think either you've got to cast people who are Italian or you've got to cast people who can do the accent and not embarrass themselves. But this was just so bad, it distracted from every single frame. So bad script, bad acting, all of which I could have forgiven as a motorsport fan if the racing scenes had been really impressive. And I have to say here, the film's on better footing and the the one or two stars I would give this are almost entirely for the way in which Eric Messerschmidt, who photographed Mank, um, the way he photographs the racing is phenomenal. The way he photographs the, the modern landscape, the, the landscape of the Milmilia is really beautiful. Um, Michael Mann's clearly gone to a lot of trouble to recreate the period racing cars with great help from the Ferrari factory. So I think racing fans will really appreciate that attention to detail in the way in which the the car racing is shot. It's no Ford versus Ferrari, but it is well done. I think the problem is how they choose to depict the crashes. And I kind of knew this was not going to go well when early on you have a scene involving Castellotti. Those of you who know about Castellotti will know exactly what I'm talking about. This scene was done in a way that kind of made me a little bit nervous about what was coming later. A guidizzolo. All I can say is it's a choice. It's a valid choice. It's cinema. You can choose to show things in whatever way you choose to show it for effect. I found it to be personally pretty repugnant. And in the context of a greater, more nuanced, more sensitive, more interesting film, I might have understood that choice or forgiven that choice or been with that choice. But in the context of this film, 
which was basically very soapy, very melodramatic, very almost kind of comedic at times. The choice felt cheap and it felt disgusting to me. So for me, as a motorsport fan who is very aware of the dangers of motorsport and respects the dangers of motorsport, this was not a film I enjoyed. And it's not a film that made me feel like Michael Mann truly respected motorsport, which is a weird thing to say, right? It's a very judgmental thing to say, but I'm so disappointed in this film. So I'm probably letting my emotion get the better of me. Anyway, this film is going to be out um, at Christmas. It's coming out um, on Christmas Day in the USA and Boxing Day in the UK. I cannot wait to see what you will think of it. In particular, I cannot wait to see what my friends who are into motorsport think of it. It has a running time of 130 minutes. I don't think it's yet rated, but I really hope you found this review useful in guiding you as to whether you want to see it on the big screen. I think if you are going to see it, do try and see it on the big screen because the racing scenes through the Italian landscape are really beautiful. Um, But yeah, let me know when you know. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.